This is Dr. Jimmy Nichols, equine nutritionist. On this podcast, we will explore unique cases, debunk popular myths, and break down advanced research data. Join me for a little fun, a lot of science, and some real-world advice for feeding horses. Hey, it's Dr. Jimmy. Welcome to episode 62. I am recording this on May 19th, which means the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness Stakes have both already happened, and then we're a couple weeks away from the Belmont Stakes. So, since everyone has racehorses on the mind, I thought this would be a very fitting time to devote a podcast episode to racehorse nutrition. So, one thing that we know about nutrition is, you know, it's a tool in our toolbox that can be used to help horses express their genetic potential. So a horse's metabolism, their workload, their size, their genetic predispositions, those are all things that are going to be kind of guiding lights for diet design. And, you know, racehorses lend themselves to some unique needs (laughs) compared to the rest of our horses. So I thought it might be nice to kind of touch on those needs and, and the differences really that go into feeding a racehorse compared to, you know, our more typical performance horses. So when it comes to racehorse nutrition, um, you know, racehorses really are, are almost a class of their own, you know, so there are certain classes of horses that have, you know, sky high requirements for different things. So, you know, when I think about brood mares, um, you know, when they're lactating, they've got huge needs for protein, big needs for amino acids. Um, you know, growing horses are going to have really big needs also for those amino acids, for trace minerals, um, you know, protein. But there, when it, when it comes to racehorses, those aren't necessarily the things that limit a racehorse diet. So when we're talking about racehorses, really it's the energy sources or the calories that are our primary concern. And the reason for that is because their training schedules and their workload is incredibly intense. Um, you know, I, I, I work with a lot of different people and, you know, one of the first things that I will always ask someone when we're going to walk through the nutrition um, program is, you know, how, how often do you ride your horse? How, how long are those rides? Like what kind of work are you doing? And the reason I ask those questions is to get an idea of what that horse's energy or calorie demands are. And, you know, as horse owners, we all kind of, we tend to overestimate what our horse really is doing. You know, a lot of times I've got, you know, I kind of have to filter that out, I guess. Um, there's actually the, so the nutrient requirements for horses, um, which is the, the published, I'll call it the Bible of nutrition for horses. It actually breaks out, you know, what truly classifies each category. Um, so, you know, most horses are really just going to be in about that moderate exercise bracket. That's, that's where the majority of the performance horses, at least that I work with are going to sit. Um, but as owners, we, I have a lot of people say, oh, my horse is in really intense work, really intense training. And, you know, the reality is, is they're not intense training, you know, by the standards of these definitions, they're probably more like moderate activity, maybe heavy. Um, but racehorses, they really are on that top end, that top bracket. And so, um, when you get to that point with them, you know, you, you really have to be able to provide calories. And so when I say calories, um, in the, in the nutrition world, the way that we define calories is by the term digestible energy. Okay. So digestible energy is typically, um, 
it's classified as as mega calories, so mcal's. Um, so you might see like if you were to send your hay off for analysis um, or your grain off for analysis, and they were to report energy back to you, you would probably see that in mcal's per kilogram or mcal's per per pound. And the way that most people like to think about it is in kilocalories. So for example, if you take, you know, a pound of alfalfa typically has around a thousand kcals or kilocalories per pound, right? So that kind of gives you an idea. So it's those calories or that digestible energy that we're really concerned with when it comes to racehorses. Now, the thing about this digestible energy or these calories is they're not all created equal. So the form that you use to, um, to satisfy the diet of a racehorse is going to um, play a major role in digestive health. It can play a role in their mental state. Um, so I'm going to walk through kind of the different um, diet components and the different ways that we can get these calories into a racehorse. And keep in mind, I mean, this, this framework works for any horse, not just racehorses, but I'm going to kind of highlight the nuances um, that go along with racehorses as we go along. So first, let's talk roughage or fiber, right? So this is the majority of the horse's diet. I mean, horses are designed to eat forage, so hay or pasture continuously throughout the day. And, and that is going to be the largest energy source that's going into their body. And it is absolutely critical for keeping the digestive system functioning properly, okay? So fiber is going to be broken down in the gut um, by the resident microbial populations, okay? So when we talk about um, the microflora that lives in the hind gut, right, it's these beneficial bacteria and these protozoa that are actually responsible for converting that hay or that roughage or that fiber into what are called volatile fatty acids or VFAs. And that's what the horse then uses for energy. So... You know, a racehorse, um, they they have to consume an adequate amount of fiber. So, you know, in general, it would be common practice to offer at least 15 pounds per day of, you know, a high quality grass hay. And then a lot of trainers will, um, they'll add an additional two, three, four, maybe even five pounds per day of alfalfa just is, as a way to kind of bump up the amino acid content, bump up the protein content. And, you know, really their goal, I mean, if you were to walk through, um, you know, a shed row of, of horses in training at the racetrack, you'd be hard pressed to stick your head into a stall and not see a bag of hay hanging, you know, 24 hours a day. Right. And one of the reasons that we keep hay in front of these horses all of the time is that's one way to help um, kind of uh, ward against or, or defend against digestive upsets. Um, so specifically things like colic and gastric ulcers. Now, the other thing that keeping hay in front of them at all times does is that hay itself satisfies um, the maintenance calorie requirements for those horses. Okay. So, you know, every horse, every horse has a certain level of calories that they have to consume every day in order to meet the basic, you know, metabolic demands, um, to keep, just to keep their body functioning properly. And a horse that's given 24 hour access to good quality hay, um, is generally going to, those maintenance demands are going to be met by that hay. Now, 
with with race horses, they then and and other performance horses, they have calorie demands and nutrient demands that go above those maintenance. So with race horses, um, you know, like I said, calories is typically our limiting factor. So we're searching and trying to find ways to get more calories into that diet because hay alone is not going to cut it for a racehorse. So the next place that you can go to get a high amount of calories is through sugar and starch, okay? So non-structural carbohydrates, that's um, a lot of times people talk about those as the NSC, okay? So the, the NSC is just the combination of the measure of starch and the measure of sugar in a particular feedstuff. So, you know, since racehorses have those energy demands that extend beyond what any amount of hay could provide, okay, then that means that we need to use grain meals in order to increase the amount of calories that they're taking in in the diet. So the most popular grain ingredients um, when it comes to racehorses are going to typically be your really high starch and sugar ingredients, right? Because they're going to provide a lot of calories, a lot of starch, a lot of sugar, right? So those would be things like oats, barley, and corn. And the reason for that is those things provide roughly 50, 60, and 75% non-structural carbohydrate contents, okay? So racehorses are able to tolerate those higher levels of non-structural carbohydrates in the diet because they have those extremely high energy demands, right? So, I mean, they, they need those calories and they're able to burn them off because they're in such a heavy, high workload. Now... One thing is, you know, you have to be really careful when you are feeding those type of grain meals. You have to use a lot of caution because we know from research that high levels of starch and sugar in the diet, um, if not fed um, correctly, they can lead to things like colic, founder, gastric ulcers, right? So, you know, one of the things that race horse trainers will do is they'll split those grain meals into two or three separate meals which helps lower the amount of starch in each particular meal, okay? So basically what we're trying to do in that situation is prevent the amount of um, starch that would be spilling over into the hindgut, right? So we're trying to, to use those smaller, more frequent meals as a way to help improve that horse's ability to digest those higher levels of starch within the small intestine and not have those levels uh, spill over into the cecum or into the hindgut. So another form of um, calories, another good calorie source when it comes to racehorse nutrition or, or really any performance horse is highly fermentable fiber, okay? So beet pulp is a very popular form of what we would call highly fermentable fiber. And that's because, um, you know, it's popular because it contains nearly the same calorie content as oats, but it has 80% fewer non-structural carbohydrates, right? So basically 80% less starch and sugar than what oats would have, but it still has that same calorie content. Um, the other benefit with beet pulp is, you know, it acts, it, it has prebiotic activity, which feeds the resident microbial populations that live within that horse's gut. And it also Actually, it naturally stimulates the production of one of the VFAs called butyric acid. And butyric acid is, is really important because it has been shown through research that um, 
that it helps support the the health and the growth of the cells that line the intestinal tract, okay? So since beet pulp is a much safer way to provide calories, it has become a very popular ingredient. Um, and it's it's being added to, you know, many, many grain rations on the racetracks. And it's also being added into a lot of rations for, um, for other performance horses. And, you know, so not only does beet pulp offer a safer starch and sugar load, but it also is going to be adding that beneficial support to the digestive environment. So those are two of the reasons that that it is, has become such a desirable um, ingredient in a lot of performance horse feeds. So let's talk about fat. Um, fat is a fantastic source of calories and energy. And when we talk about fat, a lot of times you'll hear people use the term cool energy calorie sources. And the reason for that is Fat actually packs about 2.25 times more calories than oats, okay? So fat is just a phenomenal source of that digestible energy or of those calories. And, you know, since it, it, it it's a very, so number one, it's calorie dense, but then number two, it it's really highly regarded in the racehorse diet because it is 100% digestible. And it does not add to that starch and sugar load, right? So every amount, so if you put oil, so I guess when I say 100% digestible, I'm, I'm specifically talking about oils. You know, so with oils, all of the fibers component has been taken away. The only thing you're left with is the actual fat itself. So it's incredibly digestible. So every bit that you feed gets utilized by the horse. And it is not adding to the starch and the sugar load. So you don't get the hyperactive and, and the crazy, you know, hot-headed attitude out of fat calories compared to if you were to get those calories from a starch and sugar source like oats. So, you know, another kind of fun fact about fat is research has actually shown that adding fat calories into the diet can actually have some other really positive impacts. So researchers have found that horses on fat supplemented diets are shown to be less sporadic or less reactive compared to horses consuming calories from starch and sugar sources. Okay, so especially if you're talking about just our normal performance horses, you know, nobody likes a hot-headed, highly reactive horse. And we know that one of the things that contributes to that excitability in a horse is if they're eating a lot of starch and sugar, if they're eating those uh, grain meals that have a lot of cereal grains in them. And so that's one of the reasons that more and more um, feeds are going to higher fat contents. And it's because we need still to have calories in the feed to satisfy the performance horse's needs. But we understand that fat is um, a, a more desirable way to, to provide those calories because it doesn't come with all that hyperreactiveness. Okay. Um, let's see, several other studies have actually also shown that um, high fat diets can actually help reduce levels of cortisol. And if, if you remember me talking about cortisol in past episodes, cortisol is that stress hormone. So anything that we can do to help keep that cortisol level from spiking, um, the better off our horses are going to be. And then there's actually also been research um, found that a, a high-fat diet actually lengthens the amount of time it takes for a racehorse to fatigue. Okay, so another way to say that is when the diet, when calories in the diet are being supplied from fat, 
versus being supplied from oats or starch starches, those horses have better endurance. They can run longer before they start to get tired. So there, you know, there just there are a lot of different benefits that come um, from having fat in the diet in in a horse's diet. Um, let's talk about the last source of calories, um, and probably the one that has, is most misunderstood and that is protein. Okay. So protein, this is what most people don't understand. Protein is the body's absolute last resort in terms of an energy or a calorie resource. Okay. So I, I get a lot of people, um, you know, most people just ask for grain by the protein percent, right? And they think that the higher the percent, the more, you know, energy or calories it'll be providing to the horse. And that's not necessarily true. So, you know, feeding protein in excess of the daily requirement is actually um, not beneficial to to racehorses in particular. In fact, it poses a much higher negative potential and you should really use a lot of caution and you should really try to avoid overfeeding protein um, to a horse, especially a horse that is stalled. And the reason for that is when protein is fed in excess, that extra amount in the diet is broken down by the body, right? It it doesn't, it can't really be used that well. Um, so it's broken down to urea and that urea has to be excreted. Now, circling back to where I said that it can be used as a source of energy, um, through that breakdown process, you're going to end up with some carbon skeletons and those can actually be used by the horse that, and that will contribute to a small amount of, um, the energy for the horse, but it's really inefficient. And it's, it's just, it literally is like, is the body's, you know, last resort. So really what's going on here is if you feed extra protein, the body has to get rid of it. And so they're breaking it, the body's going to break it down to urea, and then it's going to excrete it in urine. And so when you've got a lot of extra urea that has to exit the body, it has to exit in the urine. And that is then going to cause that horse to increase their water intake, right? So they're going to in, they're going to drink more, and then they're going to urinate more because they've got to keep flushing that urea out of the body. And when you have high levels of urea in the urine, you are going to get that smell of ammonia. So when you go into a horse's stall and you take a big, deep breath of air and your nose hairs burn just a little bit, that's ammonia that you're smelling. And that can really have a negative impact on the air quality within a stall. So stalls with high levels of ammonia can actually cause respiratory tract irritation, okay? And you know, for racehorses, these horses are living in stalls all, all day, every day, right? So the air quality in those stalls is critical um, to their lung health. In fact, um, when horses are dealing with high levels of, of ammonia in their stall, um, that can cause them to have a higher chance of experiencing exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage. Um, EIPH is the acronym for that. The um, term that it's most commonly called is bleeding. All right. So if a racehorse is known to be a bleeder or has bled in the past, um, if there are high levels of ammonia, if, so if their diet is high in protein, if their diet is, it has an excess level of protein, their body is going to be excreting more urea, which is going to mean that there's a higher level of ammonia 
in the stall. And if there's a high level of ammonia in the stall, then there's going to be a higher amount of irritation in the respiratory tract. And when there's irritation in the respiratory tract, okay, that's going to cause low-grade inflammation and irritation within the lungs. And when those lungs are irritated or inflamed, then those horses are going to be more susceptible to becoming bleeders or to bleeding during um, a race. So that, you know, that goes for all of our horses, not just um, not just race horses, but all of our performance horses. If you have horses that are, are being kept in stalls, um, one really smart thing that you can do is to manage that air quality by making sure that you're not overfeeding protein in the diet. Okay, so that pretty much covers um, the calorie requirements when it comes to feeding race horses. Um, but it's really important not to overlook the rest of the nutritional needs. Okay. So vitamins, minerals, amino acids, those are some of the most important components for everyday metabolic processes, um, supporting bone density. Those are the things that are going to help maintain strong tendons and ligaments and muscles, right? So you have to make sure that you're providing nutrition to support all of those things and calories themselves don't necessarily, um, don't support those areas necessarily, right? So, um, you know, if you're if you have a racehorse and they are getting a diet of only hay and only oats, okay, you're definitely going to satisfy the calorie needs of that horse, but that horse is going to be highly deficient in other areas, um, especially your trace minerals. Okay, so that's why it's really important to make sure that you incorporate a very well balanced vitamin and mineral supplement into the diet. Um, the two that I typically recommend are either Nutrimix Plus or 101 Diet Balancer. So those are two supplements um, made by Stry Animal Health that can help you make sure that you are satisfying those amino acids, those minerals, and those vitamins in the diet um, if you are either mixing your own ration or you have a horse that's on just a hay diet or if you have a horse that's on just like a hay and oats diet or some kind of uh, very simple grain or feed that that isn't fully fortified. Now, if you are um, interested in feeding a fully fortified feed um, and you've got some race horses in your barn and you really need to push some calories into them, um, one that I recommend is called Equiline Trackmaster Ultra Fat. And the reason I like that feed is because it is um, a very high calorie feed. It is beet pulp based. It it, so it's basically oats and beet pulp based, um, but then it also has that added um, level of fat. So it's a very high fat. Um, and then it's also balanced then with those vitamins and that mineral support um, in order to provide that fully comprehensive package um, of nutrition for those resources. Now let's take just a few minutes and visit about some of the common concerns that often develop around racehorses and some of the things that can be done to support those. So one thing that research has uncovered is that somewhere between 95 to 99% of racehorses actually deal with gastric ulcers at some point. So there are three really big items that contribute to the development of gastric ulcers and racehorses are subject to all of them, <laughs> okay? So those are stress, stalling, and high starch meals, okay? So high grain meals. So in the racehorse world, um, you want to first start by, you know, if, if there's an opportunity to substitute a portion of that grain or those oats 
for something like beet pulp, that's a really good step. So like I said earlier, that keeps the calorie content relatively even between the two, but what it does is it helps lower that total starch load in those grain meals. The next thing that you can do is incorporate a gastric buffer. So I like to use a product called GastroFix because it not only provides um, a specific buffering agent called lithothamnium or red algae, but it also addresses the health and integrity of the cells that line the GI tract, which then makes them less susceptible to ulceration. So the ingredients that are used in GastroFix um, have undergone research trials, and in those those studies, um, they were actually able to reduce the ulcer scores by two grades um, just by going on 30 days of, um, of the ingredients that are in GastroFix. Now, on that same note, another product that has been proven through research to lower the chance of gastric ulcers being developed is an ingredient called plasma. So plasma is the active ingredient in a supplement called Lifeline. And um, you know, the plasma is backed by over 500 published scientific studies as well. So highly researched. Um, and like I said, there there is specific research in horses on gastric ulcers, which shows that plasma does provide a positive benefit. So while we're on the note of plasma, um, another thing is that it's it's been shown to help support intestinal tight junctions. So tight junctions are responsible for basically holding together the cells that line the digestive tract. Um, so their purpose is basically, you know, the tight junctions allow good things to pass from the digestive tract into the body, and then they keep the harmful things out, okay? So when those tight junctions fail, those cells start to separate. And when those cells separate, that's what we call leaky gut syndrome. And we want to do everything we can to prevent leaky gut. All right. Um, so long-term exposure to stressful schedules, um, high starch diets, you know, those may be two of the biggest contributors to leaky gut syndrome. So if I'm working with a client or a veterinarian who suspects that a client's horse is dealing with leaky gut syndrome, um, I generally am going to reach for uh, a product that's a little bit more potent. Um, so one called GI Calm. So the purpose of that product is actually um, to support the tight junction health, like I mentioned earlier, but then it really... Um, plays a, an active role in improving the epithelial integrity. So um, it contains the butyric acid that I had mentioned earlier in this episode about being so important for improving the health of the cells that line the digestive tract. Um, and, and ultimately, the goal there is really, you know, to improve that barrier along that GI tract so that it functions as the best possible defense mechanism that it can. Um, I, I should point out though, so before jumping headfirst <laughs> down the leaky gut channel, um, you know, what I typically will do with horses is I'll usually start by addressing, um, the potential for any kind of, of hindgut dysbiosis that might be going on. And in all honesty, that approach dramatically improves the vast majority of horses. So what I mean by hindgut dysbiosis is that the microbial populations in the hindgut have become out of balance, okay? So when the microbiota are out of balance, it can have a negative impact on um, a number of areas within a horse. So I will use either the hindgut health program or I will use ADR paste or ADR powder. Um, if, if I am trying to address uh, dysbiosis in the gut. 
like I said, the, you know, the success rate of that is typically really, really high. So that's why I usually start there. And then I evaluate how the horse reacts to that particular protocol. So, you know, their response to the hindgut program or to ADR, that helps me guide in my decision-making process, um, whether or not to maybe pull a different tool out of the solutions toolbox for that horse. Let's see. Um, well, I mentioned bleeding earlier. Okay. So it's estimated that I think between 45 to 55% of racehorses will actually bleed at some level during their career. So for those people who are maybe looking for a more natural mode of support, um, or maybe just looking for something to use in conjunction with a drug protocol, we typically recommend using Lifeline Plus on a daily basis. So that's the product that contains the plasma. Um, so we do that on a daily basis. And then on race days, um, you, you orally dose a product called Surge, and you do that about one hour before race time. So basically what's going on there, um, Lifeline is going to help increase the pliability of the capillaries within the lungs. Um, it's also going to help lower some of the inflammation at the cellular level. And then Surge is going to encourage an increase in nitric oxide production. Um, it's going to have a vasodilating effect and ultimately it's going to help lower that pressure in the lungs. So all of that in combination is, is going to help reduce the chance of those capillaries rupturing. And um, it's going to help reduce the severity of a bleeding episode when it does happen. Um, so that's the one thing about, you know, running horses, race horses, even if you have barrel horses, you know, those horses are just genetically, um, they're, they're just predisposed to bleeding. They're, they are far more likely to suffer from a bleeding episode. So it's not always if they'll bleed, it's when they bleed and how severe it is. So, you know, it's it's really important for, for running horses to do everything you can to help reduce the chance of them suffering from um, EIPH or a bleeding episode. Let's see, another area that often affects racehorses is RER. So that's basically a, a, a form of tying up. Um, it seems to be of particular concern or more frequent in thoroughbred fillies. And we have had really good success using either uh, TurboMag BCAA or a product called Moving Up. So those two products, um, they're a little bit different, but they they each use different types of ingredients um, that are specifically designed to help the cells metabolize glucose more efficiently. So I generally, um, so TurboMag BCAA is, is a metabolic pH balancer and then it contains some chromium as well. And so a lot of times I'll start with TurboMag and if we don't see the improvement that we had hoped for with the TurboMag, um, then that's kind of a mental note that we maybe to need to take a little bit more advanced approach. And in that situation, I would then move over to the product called Moving Up. Let's see, um, joint health. So yeah, joint health is another area of concern for racehorses. So since they're under such high training demands at such an early stage of life, um, they're gonna be a little bit more likely to develop low-grade inflammation. Um, they, they might be a little bit more likely to develop osteoarthritis, okay? So I like to use Rewind um, as a product to help the body process joint inflammation more efficiently. Um, Rewind contains the 
the so the active ingredient in it, if you will, is called the New Zealand green lipped muscle. And there's a pretty good body of research around the green lip muscle in its effectiveness to reduce um, pain and inflammation uh, that's associated with arthritis. And, um, you know, the research that's been conducted in horses shows that it helps improve range of motion, helps improve stride length, you know, helps reduce your lameness scores, lameness grades. And, you know, I I think one thing that's important to remember is, you know, when you're dealing with joint stress um, in performance horses of any kind, whether it's race horses or other performance horses, um, anytime that you work that horse or stress that horse just a little bit, the body produces inflammation. And that's a natural, normal process. But where we get into trouble is if that horse is not able to clear that inflammation efficiently on their own. And that's where rewind comes into play. It it has um, those specific forms of omega-3s called ETA. Okay, so it's it's different than the omega-3s that we typically um, think of from a nutritional standpoint. So the nutritional omega-3s that we generally lean on are ALA. EPA and DHA. Okay, this is a completely different chain. This is ETA. And this specific chain um, has is the one that's been found to have those anti-inflammatory effects to help to it's been found to help the body clear inflammation more effectively um, within the joints. So if the body can clear the inflammation more effectively, then that helps reduce the amount of breakdown that you're going to have within the joint. Now, I like to pair Rewind with a product called Orthomax. Um, Orthomax is what supplies those building blocks for the joints, okay? So when, you know, the joint basically is constantly undergoing, you know, re- um, restructuring, you know, remodeling, rebuilding, um, you know, the body is constantly turning over cells. And Orthomax is designed to basically provide those building blocks so that, you know, you you do get healthy cartilage bones, you get strong ten- strong tendons and strong ligaments. Let's see. Um, Oh, let's, yeah, let's talk for a second maybe about the mental aspect. Okay, so, you know, there's there's the whole anxiety thing that so many racehorses deal with. And, you know, it's it's their nature. It's how they're bred. It's what they do. It's, you know, you're just they're bred to, to run, right. They're bred to, to, to fleet, to fly, to run, to get away and to go fast. Right. And so with those genetics, with those bloodlines and with everything that we expect those horses to do, there's going to be a level of anxiety that comes with them. And I always remind people that the gut and the brain are directly connected. So if a horse is dealing with let's say digestive distress, there's often a mental aspect at play there as well. Um, you know, when a horse senses something stressful or when they get anxious or they get nervous over something, the brain sends signals to the gut. So sometimes, you know, the only way that we can get ahead of disruptions in the digestive tract is by addressing the mental anxiety side of things. In fact, we've had really good success with a product called Engage, which supports the brain um, basically by affecting the type of chemical messengers that it sends out. Okay, so Engage can help nervous or anxious horses um, tune in to riders' cues more effectively, and it can also help horses relax and you know maybe regain their appetite if they're in a stressful environment and and they have maybe gone off a of feed or they're not eating you know at a certain time. 
So, you know, I feel like I just threw a million things at you. Um, you know, if you haven't gathered, there are a lot of different components that go into keeping a racehorse healthy and performing at top level. So, you know, it, it's certainly not for the weak hearted, <laughs> um, you know, and, and just, I guess, keep all of that in mind, you know, as you're following these triple crown races that are going on and, um, you know, just there, there is a ton that goes into keeping these equine athletes performing at the level that they're performing at over multiple races and especially over multiple races that are within such, um, such tight, uh, a, such a tight timeline, right? I mean, from the Derby to the Preakness to the Melmont, there's there's not a lot of time for rest and recovery that that is there. So, you know, you have to kind of pull out all the stops and use all the tools in your toolbox um, to keep these horses performing. Now, uh, like I said earlier that, you know, a lot of these things do cross over into other disciplines. So, you know, if you have a performance horse or if you have a racehorse um, and you're dealing with something, it's, it's always wise to investigate whether or not there may be a nutritional aspect that, you know, might be able to help you support, um, that might be able to help support you in your end goal with that horse. Um, don't forget, you know, if, if you need some help deciding on a feed or a supplement, or if you're wondering if maybe there's a nutritional solution for something that your horse is battling, um, you can always reach out for a free virtual nutrition consult with the team at Stride Animal Health and Blue Bonnet Feeds. Um, just go to either of those websites and find the nutrition consults link. And then before I sign off for the day, um, if you think others might benefit from the information in these podcasts or in this episode in particular, um, please stop what you're doing and post on social media and use the hashtag FeedRoomChemist. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Feed Room Chemist. If you like what you hear, be sure to share with your friends post to social media, or give us a review. And as Winston Churchill used to say, no hour of life is wasted that is spent in the saddle. So go saddle up.